Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, in honor of Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association returning to Labor Talks this week, I wanted to invite you to tell me and our wonderful listeners at home, when was the last time that you put something off to six weeks that was basically due? Well, Bobby, um, first, hello. Hi. It's good, to, it's good to talk with you. I'm very excited for our episode today. Um, I would say the most recent example is the current project we're working on about baseball and climate change, uh, which we've been talking about for two to, two to three months at least, um, and, and really got the ball rolling, I'd say, in the new year. <laughs> If you want to even push that timeline further in the past, we've been talking about doing this episode since March 12th, 2020. Now, I'll give us like a year cushion because of the whole pandemic thing that happened. We were talking about a lot of other important stuff. But in many ways, that was probably the best time to work on this. We should have just got right to work on it. Um, But more on the climate project later in the future. the climate, the unannounced climate project that is now being announced, but I also announced it in the section of the podcast that you're about to hear with Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman of Cespedes Family Barbecue. Um, today's episode is about MLB owners, Alex. And if you read the title of this episode, you'll know that it's about the least terrible amongst them. Now, don't go booing tipping pitches. We still shade and roast the owners accordingly. Uh, but this is a really fun one. Yeah, we're grading them on a curve here. Yeah, exactly. That's how I would want to be judged by them. Um, <laughs> before we bring Jake and Jordan in to do that, and they were so generous with their time, which is why we're going to keep this top of show brief, um, we should we should probably talk a little bit about the finer details of the proposal that Major League Baseball returned to the union. Do you want to share those with uh, me? Because I basically didn't pay attention to them because they were all garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can break down a couple of the the key ones. And obviously, all of this stuff kind of comes secondhand uh, via reports in, in the media and whatnot. Um, so there was, among other things, there have been kind of proposals to tweak the draft, to offer, um, to basically create a lottery system for the top three picks uh, in the amateur draft. The players want a lottery system for the top eight picks, they're still far apart on that, um, but that's something that's kind of on the table that they're discussing right now. Uh, Major League Baseball also kind of proposed to do away with the mechanism through which Super 2 players are are paid, right? How their salary is determined, right? right? These are the, the players with two-plus years of service time who are in the top 22% uh, of that group. Major League Baseball wants to kind of pay these players on, uh, you know, through a formula rather this kind of arbitrary cutoff, which is supposed to, in theory, kind of mitigate the uh, the opportunities for service time manipulation. Now, the the players are are not super interested in this because they like the fact that players actually get 
a say in their salary, which I uh, I agree with. That's the that's kind of the whole point of the arbitration process is giving the players a chance to speak up for themselves too. Um, so these are a couple of the tweaks that are that are on the table among some other things. Were there other ones that that stood out to you? Yeah, on a strictly numbers basis, um, MLB proposed raising the luxury tax tax threshold by a whopping $4 million. Uh, Mm -hmm. The union sees historical precedent as irrelevant and wants a threshold of $245 million. I'm now reading from the Washington Post article right up by Chelsea Janes. Um, To me, me, that's like not that big of a red flag, honestly. Like numbers in these negotiations, they just get played with and it's just a way that you can pass the ball back and forth you just like barely move it at all and it shows that you don't really want to change anything that doesn't worry me that much i mean the thing that really bothered me the most about what we learned last week is the idea of awarding draft picks to teams who don't manipulate service time like you and i have talked so much about mlb creating a problem and mlb solving it in a way that helps MLB clubs. And that this is like the most distilled example of that that we've gotten in a little while. It's like, we won't call these guys up unless we can also get compensated for calling these guys up, even though we already agreed to call these guys up when they're ready. It's just, it's just like such galaxy brain, corporate management style solutions to problems that are easy. Call the good players up. I mean, like we already know who the good players are. And, and it's further evidence of the fact that we've lost all elements of the social contract of baseball and i don't mean to be like haughty about it necessarily but the fact that you're introducing another rule to fix a rule when the original rule was supposed to be in the spirit of rewarding players who are ready and also putting the best product on the field for the fans who are actually funding the game do you know what i mean yeah, definitely. I mean, it's real bars on the ground hours right now. It's you know, like technocrat re- hour. Being being rewarded for not breaking a rule when, like, at that point, what's what's really the purpose of the rule in this? If you need to incentivize someone to follow it, I, it seems like you have some problems with your uh, with your CBA if that's the case, right? And this is this is something that appeared in their previous proposal as well. Uh, these are these are very kind of small tweaks to the luxury tax system. They are interested in increasing the penalties uh, for going over the luxury tax, proposing a 50% tax uh, <laughs> on surpassing the first threshold, which I, is kind of defeating the purpose of this whole argument over the the luxury tax, the competitive uh, balance tax threshold, which is we need to create more room for teams to spend more money like isn't that kind of the the conversation that's being had here the issue is not how do we keep teams from spending over the luxury tax right unless this is their kind of you know s- slow march towards a salary cap well that's what i was going to that's what i was getting ready to say is this just it strikes me as appeasement you know like if the if the secret MLB line is this is a salary cap then this is the way that you trickle that thought out into the public so that it's more acceptable because if the penalties just become more and more strict then you can you can see that bending the brains of fans and analysts and stuff to be like well then they actually shouldn't go over it you know what I'm saying and it's sort of a it's a quantitative solution to a qualitative decision that they've made and 
I think in that in that way, this is how this is why they're so savvy at bargaining. Like they understand the long game in every CBA that they're signing. They understand three CBAs from now. This is just going to look legally like a salary cap. So there, there's not going to be that much of a philosophical difference between the salary cap and what is actually happening. So they don't even care that MLBPA has this philosophical difference about a salary cap because it's just functioning like it is. And you're, you know, you've been saying until you're blue in the face on this podcast, this is already a salary cap. Like we've been talking about this since 2018, basically. And I think that that is a really, a really big challenge in this CBA is not kind of letting it continue to slide down the hill. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to, is there anything else that you want to say about these labor negotiations before we get to our conversation with Jake and Jordan? Because I think that there is enough owner hate catharsis going on in the rest of this episode that I don't want to belabor this too much because it's not real news yet. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, uh, two of the key points that the players uh, see as a must, which changes in the time it takes to reach free agency and uh, revenue sharing, how that money is split, no movement on there, no new proposals. That's MLB has come out and said that they're uninterested in making changes to how that works. The players have come out and said, well, these are kind of the most important uh, things for us right now and uh the most important thing when it comes to overall competition in the game so it remains to be seen kind of how that how that pans out i think that the mlbpa missed an opportunity to to more effectively publicly message why aren't the owners giving us a response like it was their turn and they had to let 62 days go by that is a huge win for public will that is a huge win for public perception for the union like they weren't even responding for 62 days and we've heard nothing from the union i mean it's just weird to me um but we will obviously be talking about this more over the coming weeks as it starts to threaten spring training uh we need to get to our conversation about these terrible owners because it is phenomenal it goes a million different places we talk about every single ownership group so no matter what fan base you are a part of your feelings will be represented but before we do all of that i am bobby wagner i am alex basley and you are listening to Tipping Pitches. All right, we are once again joined by the Cespedes Family Barbecue Boys. It's been a long time since we talked to you guys. I think the last time you were on the pod was for the all-gift draft at the beginning of the 2021 season, which feels about 15 seasons ago. Jake, Jordan, hello. Thank you for joining us. Happy to be here as always, Bobby. Uh, I hope we uh, get to do a gift draft again at the same time this year, but not too optimistic. We're not here to talk about that, uh, as we typically are on (laughs) tipping pitches. Uh, We're here to do something much more important, uh, much more harebrained. An idea that we came up with in jest and thought, actually, that might be a good idea to do on tipping pitches. Uh, We are here to draft the least terrible owners. So The best. (laughs) I wouldn't use that word. Uh, Jake can use that word. Alex and I probably would not use that word. So let's say you. I'm you, here to be. I'm here to be pro owner. <laughs> my character, yes. my bit. We're balancing this out, Bobby. You, because you're here to cut completely against the grain. Yeah, now, give me nutting. I'm nutting first. <laughs> obviously, obviously, anyone that listens to this show uh, knows that they cannot bring themselves to say best owner. But Bobby, we did sort of come up with this idea together by accident. Yeah, but it is important that we define the parameters, right? Because um, this. Well, first of all, okay. Let me say this. Here's how I imagine this when we first thought of this idea. Mm-hmm. So imagine you're like Castaway, 
and you get put on the island for like 30 years and you don't know who owns any of the baseball teams. You come back. You get a list of all 30 owners. This is the owner that you are least upset that you were given, that the hand that you were dealt. Yeah, That so is how that, I imagined this game. This is the, a terrible plot to cast away, by the way. That's <laughs> they, you come back from being, from being on an island for 30 years and they hand you a sheet of baseball owners. Yeah, and you're, you're a Cubs fan. You're like, they broke the curse while I was gone and also I'm still stuck with the rickets? <laughs> hey, as long as it's not another Marvel movie, I'll watch it. <laughs> but also, to be clear, we, we have the knowledge of, of these owners and about it's not like we're just <laughs> picking blind. Like we're coming back and we do know who they are. And we're not and picking based off games. like the most handsome owner, which <laughs> exactly, is, exactly. is, it's not really close. It's Stuart Sternberg. He's like yeah. the only guy who, who doesn't look like, like he slow. came yeah. from underground in a coffin. Yeah. That's because most of the, yeah, most of these guys are, are like 80 plus. <laughs> yeah. So, are there any parameters, Jordan, you mentioned that you that you wanted to name specifically that you kind of mm-hmm. looked at when you were mm-hmm. parsing this list of 30 owners? And obviously, there are multiple owners to all of these teams. We are talking primarily about the control person of the team, or if it's a publicly traded company, let's say, the CEO of that company, mm-hmm. or if it's a telecom corporation <laughs> in Canada, the person who is really making the baseball decisions. I think the the main thing I just want to make sure we're all on the same page about is uh, because, you know, when we first had this conversation, I think, you know, we were really leaning into something that is often talked about in the show. It's just like, right, like leaning into the billionaires are bad, right? (laughs) And like the like, oh my God, these are not people that we like or represent us and us as baseball fans, whatever, right? But it is important that you have established that we are baseball fans, and if this person is going to own our team, we want them to know how to at least produce good baseball to some capacity, right? Yeah. And so balancing that, as Jake and I, you know, put together our big board, and we did, you know, nice. The war room was buzzing. McShane, uh, that shit. We, and we we'll, we'll call here. this, for lack of a better term, the Angelos Charles Johnson conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Johnson, exactly. Giants owner, <clears throat> you know, clearly knows how to run a baseball team, right? Yeah. Say whatever, say whatever you want about, you know, the everything else, which is bad, but he knows it on the baseball team. Whereas Angelos has shown a lack of a desire to invest in the team. But if we're going to rank people morally, like he was a labor lawyer before he became an owner, which, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty hot. As far as MLB owners goes. That's, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> but, but we had, so we had to balance it and we, it was a push pull. We had to consider, and, you know, we can talk about the cross offs maybe after we draft our, our guys, but I just wanted to say, and, and the other thing too is in a lot of cases, this is just a tough exercise because you're going to run into some, <laughs> some issues with even some of your top picks and that's okay. That's okay. We're going to, we're, we're Pickings going to slim. I texted Alex last night and I was like, the hardest part about this is the whole thing, the entire exercise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it, it's not really, and that's why it's fun. And that's why we chose not to do worst owner draft. Because no. worst owner draft, the same five people that Alex and I crack our jokes about week in and week right. out, tipping pitchers, listeners, thank you so much for listening to the same jokes about the Ricketts, the same jokes about John Fisher deforesting Northern California. I've said that just 15 times. We don't want to do that on this pod. We want to do something different. We got to rearrange the draft board. We, <laughs> <laughs> Oops. We want to talk about the guys who, I didn't know they existed. There are a couple <laughs> owners on here. I feel like I'm in the 99th percentile of tracking baseball ownership. And I was yeah. like, Man, I might have read that name once. 
but I did not know that that was the name Ray of the person who Davis? owned the twins. Usually, right? Usually a good sign, Polites. right? And we'll, we'll get to that. We'll Usually to a that. good sign. Usually right. That's what I was going to say. Is like if you're if you're not making headlines, you're probably doing an okay an okay job. If you that's are staying what, out of the limelight, that's what we thought until we clicked <laughs> on one guy's page, and we'll get there. I think Bobby may have had the same experience. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So I think we determined, Bobby, that you and oh, by the way, uh, Jake and I, I think, are drafting as a team. Uh, you and Alex are drafting as a team. Is that is that correct? So we're yes, that's correct. So there will be each two separate teams here, five owners each. So we ten owners will be drafted, um, and you uh, get to have the first. Pick. Who announces this draft? <laughs> like if this draft existed, it, like Manfred does the draft, but who would do this draft? I like Manfred like ranking his bosses. Basically, like he has to come out here and he has to be like, you know, listen. Uh, Mr. Nutting, I'm sorry that you were the Mr. Irrelevant of the least terrible owners draft. <laughs> um, one thing that I want to say, uh, I don't know who announces it. We'll have to think about that. And maybe the listeners can can chime in and say who they would want to walk up to the podium for this. Uh, the ghost of Marvin Miller. Uh, really quickly on the state of baseball ownership in general and like who these guys are, you know, because we think of them as comparatively to other sports. Maybe not with the NFL, but we think of them as more like old world billionaires, old money guys. These are like the, I have $6 billion because my dad had $3 billion and it gained a lot of interest kind of guys. There's not like a lot of Steve Cohen's 16 billionaire, new tech money, new Wall Street money guys in here. There's mostly like the three to seven billion net worth guys who enjoy a relative amount of anonymity, if not for the fact that they own a sports team. And I got to say, when I was going through this and I, I I was putting together a list of how most of these guys made their money, it's either like an extremely old world thing, like they sell propane or like they, they made yeah. a logistics company, whatever the hell that means. Or, now. Like, or like mid, they had the, to, middle, the Middletons like had a cigar shop in cigarette 1858. Company, yeah. They sold, I mean, John Middleton does look like he sold his family's cigarette company. Like if you look a picture of that guy, he looks like he played himself in Mad Men. White and but, mild. <laughs> but I will say I was surprised at how many guys in here are like stock, hedge fund, or finance guys. It's more than I thought. It's yeah, like when you look at it holistically, there's like five or six guys who made their money just from moving money into another money account. It's remarkable how unremarkable most of these guys are. Not all of them, right? They're, you have a couple oil barons. You have a couple guys using like the downfall of democracy as an investment vehicle. You the usual sp- suspects, but a lot of them are just like plain old American. Only one capitalists. fast fashion guy. Only one fast fashion guy. Kind of disappointed. I mean, fast Who's fashion. That? It peaked. That's John Fisher. Really? We yeah, didn't even bother looking into Fisher. Didn't even click on Fisher. <laughs> Media cross off. <laughs> we were just like absolutely not cross off. We'll, we Fisher, obviously talk about Fisher. That um, he was the chosen son of his parents who founded Gap Incorporated. A pregnant pause falls over the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I have no taste. As I, was, as I was doing this, I was trying to figure I'm a, out. I'm a Zara guy, okay? <laughs> also, and Gap just came out with NFTs, so we know they're doing well. Ooh, oh, good for them. Yeah. Do you think Fisher I, uh, orchestrated that because of MLB's big NFT push? Mm, I don't want to talk about that anymore. I just don't want to. So <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go back to, to the original exercise here before we say anything. I regret <laughs> saying NFTs on the podcast. So I apologize. Alex, anything else to say about the state of major league baseball ownership before we start drafting? I don't think so. I, my biggest, Did any of these gentlemen warm the, your heart. 
with, with <laughs> no. any of their feel-good stories. I, I think it should be noted that they're all gentlemen, which is like... I know. No girl bosses. Where's, and where the, are the girl bosses out here? So true. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I the, the Ricketts came off as very like Roy family to me, you know, like having the the, the fail son who is the face of this new company. You have the the ha- the the democratic hack daughter who's going into politics. What one of them's the fucking a, a governor of like yep. Wisconsin, right? Sure. Go for it, dude. Like I don't I don't even it's remarkable how much of a parody of themselves they actually are. The biggest girl boss in this entire collective of human beings in this circle of MLP ownership is actually Ted Lerner's wife. They're still together. Uh, Ted Lerner's wife gave him a $250 loan to start a real estate company in 1952 when he was 26. And, you know, like the good bootstrapper that he is, he turned it into a net worth of $4.9 billion. Now he owns Chelsea Pierce. Hey, should, we will. Should, we need to make an announcement. Yeah, that's crazy. We need to make an announcement regarding the learners um, <laughs> before we begin. Please do not put in the papers that I said the learners are good. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's no the quite, thing. quite the opposite. So, Jake and Jordan, members of the DC Jewish community. Okay, and no one. The, the learners are the DC Jewish community, like from a financial perspective, right? Like they built our synagogue that Jordan and I met at. Okay. Like (laughs) so close personal friends of yours. I have never met them. I don't think, but I have seen them in the synagogue. They don't come often. I mean, they, they're high holidays holidays only. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it should, there is a bias here. I just want to lay that out that like, we'll, we'll see if we end up taking them or not. But the point is, is like, we just need to be very clear. We are stating. We're divesting. Yeah. Yeah. We are stating our conflict of interest from the jump. Alex, do you have any conflicts of interest with any of these guys other than John J. Fisher? Any of these guys build your synagogue? I, I mean, I have I have personal conflicts relating to my interests with all of them. Yeah, uh, honestly, but I actually have Steve Cohen on speakerphone right now. He's going to chime in when his right. name gets brought Looking up forward for the to first that time. segment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Steve Cohen, an interesting place where where you and I kind of diverged a little bit. About hedge well, fund this is I was we'll wondering. I was hedge wondering. So let's look, so I, let's start. Don't you have, I, don't you have yeah. Steve Cohen on R two C two next week, Bobby? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I cannot wait to see. The great example, Alex, like I'm excited to see who, you know, who yeah. wears the pants in this draft room over there for you guys. Cause Jake <laughs> oh, and I wow. were, were really on the same page for a lot of this. Um, but let's, let's get started. I, we want to hear your number one pick. You guys are picking first. Is it Steve Cohen? What are we doing? Alex, I'll let you do the honors for our number one pick. I think we were aligned up until the, up until number three. So on yeah. our big board. I, I cannot believe that we're saying this right. Once again, no good owners here, but least <laughs> terrible owners. <laughs> Your okay, favorite, wait, wait. Blank your favorite owner? My Blank favorite owner? statement. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't Alex, have to say it anymore. Don't That's have to say the it every last time. Amount, we understand. Time. Yeah, we don't have to say it every time. We're picking owners. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> first pick. First pick. Go. The Steinbrenners. Ooh, owners yeah. of the New York Yankees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. For for a, for a long time, we have flirted on this podcast with mm-hmm. with the idea that are are they pro labor because yeah. they spend on their team? Yeah. And are the Yankees come, based? Right. Yeah. I don't think we can say that. But if you look at like sheer investment in the team, if you look at track record on the field, if you look at how they've made their money, which is not like ethically repulsive. Yeah. I, all in all, they actually kind of come out looking looking pretty good in this room in this regard. Mm-hmm. 
Totally agree. Uh, we had them very high on our board. Um, not at the top, but definitely very high. And, and again, it's so easy for us because we're not Yankees fans. So it's so we're it's so easy, you know. While they're they're you know bitching and moaning every year, um, that it's like oh, it's not good enough. Oh, whatever. It's been fifty thousand yeah. years since we won a World Series. Like we're sure. like, oh, you're ne- you're never bad ever, and you're spending two hundred million dollars. Like that's great. That's I don't I don't literally need to hear anything else. How the fan base feels about the owner, I think, is in the pie chart of how you should rank these owners. I think, but it's not the biggest piece by any means Great. because no yeah. fan base is reasonable about mm-hmm. their owner. Even the Mets fan base is or too positive about mm-hmm. our owner. Like owners and closers. Yeah, <laughs> you can't trust the fan base to give you an unbiased opinion. But like right. Yankees fans. How they feel about the Steinbrenner's carries basically no weight with me. Like you, it's it's almost less important than how the outside baseball world feels about the Steinbrenner's because Yankees fans are not reasonable people. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Steinbrenner's have owned the team since like the seventies, which is the longest tenure right now, and they that the it makes a huge difference. Eight point seven million. Yeah. That's absurd to think about. That's like a year of Jed Lowry. I think that if the boss is still alive. George Steinbrenner, the god. Are you talking about Bruce Springsteen? Or? He's kind of goaded for this, honestly. He's kind of goaded for his whole Yankees tenure. But I think if the boss was still alive and it wasn't Hal or whatever the fuck his name, Hank. It's Hank, right? It's the Hal. guy. Who, <laughs> Maybe it is Hank. I don't know what Hal is. <laughs> <laughs> if it was not the son running the team, I think that this would be like a LeBron James level number one overall pick. Like it would be so easy. There now because the son is like swept up in like raise inferiority complex and like mm-hmm. trying to get mm-hmm. under the tax all of the time there are some right. complications to this number one overall pick and it's Still more not. like a it's more like yeah. a deandre ayton versus luka Doncic. <laughs> like we're talking like much closer in terms of obvious number one picks but i still think that they are the top choice totally I like fair. that i like that if i had to ask you why is hal steinbrenner rich he is the only person for whom the answer would be because of baseball Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is something else. And they bought a baseball team like George Steinbrenner bought a team for eight point seven million dollars and turned it into like six billion dollars. He thing. I actually had to do the most research into most research into Steinbrenner to figure out where he got the seed capital to even buy that team. He started a marine transit company in 1957 and that did shipping in the Great Lakes that his great grandfather Henry had purchased in 1900. It's like it's like real. This guy was like he owned trains for like a couple years and then bought the Yankees. Uh, we'd just like to clarify that there is both Hal and Hank. Hank passed away recently. Hal is short for Harold. Okay, so there we go. Just so make that sure was the source of my confusion. Why, why is that yeah. short for Harold? Shouldn't it be hair? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't feel like I have any room to talk because Bobby is not really Robert. You know, those are different things. But so I just want to say, uh, great pick. Thank we you. had him in the top three, and honestly, the more you talk about it, we probably also should have had him at least in the top one. But we don't have to make that decision. So I'm glad that you took him. You you took the Steinbrenners. And uh, anything else, or can we can we go to our first no? Uh, no you're on the t- clock. Take it away. All right, Jake. You want to go ahead? Do the so honors. one thing that we really like about our number one pick. Is that he doesn't look rich. Okay. He is definitively a schlub. And our first pick is Mark Atanasio of the Milwaukee Brewers. He, Jordan did a little research 
uh, ahead of time, looking at what percentage of owner's net worth are they investing in their team in payroll? Now, it's very crude. We, we have the same on our, on our board over here. Okay, great. Yeah. It's a very crude calculation. But if you take a look at that, Atanasio ranks second in baseball behind Castellini, who owns the Reds, and that organization is a mess. And so uh, Atanasio gives you both competency and he's pouring money into the team at a rate that above what you would expect relatively. And he's from the Bronx and he's a schlub. And he has the like, he is around. Like you see Mark Atanasio at Brewers games. Like he's mm-hmm. just on the feet. He's not, you know, rolling with a huge posse. He's just, again, like wearing dad jeans, standing by the dugout during batting practice. And it's like, oh, that guy's the owner? Like in, in kind of in the way that like, Again, obviously, very different personalities and very different things. But like, that's something that for me, I I like about Mark Cuban. Honestly, like, it's kind of crazy. But like, the fact that he goes to every game and is like clearly a fan of the team, like, I I dig that, right? And that's very very small number of these guys, <laughs> guys that are around. And uh, and yeah, and I think the fact that he has he's certainly not one of the wealthiest owners, um, but he has invested. He has put together a totally reasonable payroll uh, for for that for that market, and he's built a good. Franchise, and that was another thing that we wanted to consider: is like, who is seems to be good at picking reasonable baseball people, uh, and he clearly qualifies in that category too. So he checked all the boxes for us. He was number one on our board, and we are happy to have. Him. I like that. I like that he's from Brooklyn. I like that he's got an Italian last name. Don't know if he's actually Italian, but it sounds close enough that it could be Italian. It's from the Bronx. Oh, sorry, didn't mean to bur- burrow shame. Uh, I like that he's from New York in general and has an Italian last name. Either way. Uh, Here's how Mark Atanasio made his money. He co-founded the Los Angeles investment firm Crescent Capital in 1991, which was later bought by Trust Company of the West in 1995. So he's our first finance bro. And that's fine. That's fine. Like again, like his we generational said, wealth has not had that much time to multiply. So he is only worth seven hundred million dollars. He's in the he's first. Pushed, he's in the broke boy band of MLB. Exactly. Owners. And the uh, pol- quick skim of the political donations sheet which i have in front of me as well yeah, we have saying. that as well it's nothing incredible how from, similarly we prepared <laughs> nothing also, heinous from atanasio do you have the 538 article up as well uh that's where i got this source okay thank too. you very yeah. much yeah, yeah. sixteen thousand two hundred dollars of bipartisan giving whatever the fuck that means <laughs> Thirty-seven thousand four hundred dollars of Democrat no giving. see i have open secrets up so bobby to <laughs> your to your point though about the <laughs> broke boys owners club right you know, oh, millionaires versus billionaires. No, 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 not not a billionaire. This guy is a down-to-earth hundreds of millions on there, okay? I say, you could argue less money than A-Rod. I think you'd be right, yeah. That might be right. Probably, yeah. That might be right. I do, I, I have to kind of commend uh, some of the, the, the less wealthy owners who still manage to invest a, a good sum in their team. You were mentioning he's among the, the top owners who have invested their own mm-hmm. uh, personal wealth into the, the team as far as payroll goes. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's worked to a certain extent. I mean, since he bought the team in like 2005, mm-hmm. the Brewers have been good. They've they have an, a record of above 500. They've been to the playoffs like six times. Like they're, they're doing well. They're doing well. Yeah. Now, how well is the Christian Yelich contract going to age? That's fine. You know what? I don't care. I'm happy that he did it. I'm yeah. happy for Christian Yelich. I'm happy for Mark. And, you know, everything is good. So that's our number one pick. Okay. So wait, 17, oh, yeah. 17% of his wealth is in the payroll. Okay. 
see, are you looking at real time net worth or are you looking at like some some old yeah. data? Because we have fourteen percent. There's some discrepancy here. Okay. Like, yeah. Into the yeah. financial. Bobby, Bobby, what do you own? That's fourteen percent of your wealth. <laughs> Peloton. All right, moving on. To- <laughs> Wow. Put me on blast. Okay. Moving on to us. I will say the payroll percentage of net worth is an imperfect and crude measure because as we know, these guys don't spend any of their own money. That's an important caveat (laughs) to put on this. Nobody with the exception of maybe Steve Cohen is going to be spending any of his own dollars and cents. Um, Well, actually, the fascinating thing is there, there are two or three owners, including Cohen, for whom they don't have like a shell company set up to buy the team. They just yeah. like went, <laughs> just went in and they were just it. like, I'm just going to buy it. Like put it on my visa. Like, how Straight we- cash. <laughs> like the way that you buy a breakfast sandwich from the bodega. <laughs> right. That's how Steve Cohen bought the Mets. If you he just buy tapped, the Mets. He just tapped his card well, but on, you, on the square. Uh, does, chip, he get chip cash, does he get cash back? Is it like a reward? Yeah. No, yeah. Mad, mad credit card points. How mad unlimited. Credit- is the Amex Unlimited card? <laughs> How unlimited are we the test? Buying oh. a baseball team with my Amex. Oh, it's so okay. Funny. Okay, so go go, go pick number. We're two back pick. on the clock. Um, there's there's another who we had that uh, number two. So you know you went with Atanasio, and that's where your heart lies. I know that you guys are big Brewers was he on guys. Your board? He was definitely on yes, that board. He was. He was. He was yeah. top five. Okay. Yeah, he was top five for sure. I uh, don't know if I could get the, past the fact that he's. One more pandemic away from going completely bankrupt. <laughs> that's a don't know about that. True. Don't know about that's that. True. That's where. Well, that's where Cincinnati appears to be at, right? Dude, the that's, Brewers, right. <laughs> the Brewers are going to be the Packers. <laughs> okay, we're not choosing Castellini, but because you brought Cincinnati up, the owner of the Reds is a guy named Robert Castellini. Don't call him Bob. Uh, he owns he owns the Reds, and he owns a wholesale fruit and vegetables company. He's which, the fruit ninja guy. The pandemic really hit this man hard, and that's why they're non-tendering all of their good players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and going to trade Sonny Gray. I mean, net, net worth of $400 million is like kind of unheard of yeah. in like professional yeah. sports. Like that's why Mike like, Trout's they, contract isn't more than that. Again, to be very clear, do My not... My guy should just buy the Columbus Blue Jackets or something <laughs> like that. No, but like do not feel bad. But like they did go all in. They actually were like, we're spending. Yeah. And then COVID. Like it was the worst timed free agent spending spree <laughs> in baseball history. Uh, again, don't feel bad. Not a problem. But you can at least sort of see as the what appears to be the least wealthy owner in baseball, how there could be some some trouble there. Yes. Um, okay, so we are going to make our selection. Uh, I don't even know how to say this. I guess it's... I guess we will qualify it as the owner. The control person is Mark Walter, but the owner is really the Guggenheim Baseball Management Group. Uh, wow. who okay. we are going to select because I don't know if you guys realize this but the 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 Los Angeles Dodgers it's a baseball team that plays in the city that I still live in for the next 14 days uh, mm-hmm. they have made the playoffs 90% of the years that Guggenheim Baseball Management has mm-hmm. owned their team mm-hmm. that's kind of the whole argument right there for choosing them in the top three I mean they put a good baseball team on the field now they have like a whole because it's a group of people and they, they they do like asset management. This is now the second finance bro group that has been chosen after Atanasio. They have their hands in like a lot of shit that is really shady, I'm sure. Uh, they made their money from Mark Walters, the CEO of the Guggenheim Partners, which manages over $310 billion in assets. It's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot of assets to manage. Um, that, that asset, though. 
But they spent everyone under the table for the last decade. And if you're listening to tipping pitches, you know, put the money onto the field. Totally, totally true. I will say that they, for me, ended up being, we were looking at, okay, who's putting the most money into baseball? You know, then we'll, you know, hopefully we'll probably get a Steve Cohen at some point. And for me, I thought that the whole Trevor Bauer thing, them going so far out of their way to give him that much money because they could was like, just pissed me off. And, and, <laughs> and, and that was at the time too. It, it right? wasn't Walter, but Stan Kasten had comments. Remember when he made all the, he tried to make it funny after Bauer got suspended. Right. Bad. Now, again, I, I get it because that was in general, they have stayed, stayed away from controversy, I would say. Uh, but just like how they handled that whole thing. And Walter is like credited with the one who was like, hell yeah, make him the richest yeah. player in baseball. Uh, not great. But again, that's personal preference. Totally fair. We consider them. But if we're taking the dudes that are just spending insane amounts. It's know, absolutely true. I think there are obviously gradations. I think that probably like 26 owners would have done the exact same thing if they had that much. Totally fair. Yeah. Totally fair. Yeah. If they could, right? If yeah. they could. Yeah. Alex, anything else to say about Guggenheim? <laughs> How do you? <laughs> it's it's really tough because their this ownership group is comprised of so many people. Yeah. You know, like their interests going in every direction, right? Yep. You can talk about Magic Johnson, right? Or uh, or Billy Jean King. Like the the lit the roster of people who have some sort of controlling interest is so deep that I feel like we would need like an hour dedicated just to like. Who even owns the Dodgers, really? Mm-hmm. Like, who is calling the shots? Which maybe I kind of, I kind of like that. You know, a lot of voices in the room. You have greater consensus, maybe. Well, they also had like ten GMs at some point, so it right. kind of fits. <laughs> One thing that I found when I was doing some research for this is that there are so many companies worth billions of dollars that I could not tell you even what sector they're in. Like, oh, yeah. I'm looking at Guggenheim Partners controlling interests and investments on their Wikipedia page. And like the first, museum. the first three things listed are Transparent Value LLC, Wellmark, FBL Financial Group, Industrial Alliance, and Sun Life Financial. What do any of those things do? They, they do manage great three hundred and ten billion dollars in assets, mainly from those things. They also own Dick Clark Productions, which is very funny, um, and Prometheus Global Media. I don't know what any of those things are. They're probably insurance companies, to be honest, because that is the way to make the most money in this country if you don't just like own Shell Corporation. But this whole, it's just companies are wild. They are. Indeed. It does look like they're, they're investing in Bitcoin, which, Bobby, we may, need to, we may need to go back after this and reevaluate our picks a little bit. Um, but I mean, that's what all the finance bros are doing now, though. It's, it's true. They're ahead of the curve. It's now um, when you, is, Alex, is now when you reveal that you've actually been an early investor of Bitcoin, you're going to be leaving the podcast at the end of this year because you are independently wealthy and are retiring. Yeah, go Alex. You know, I 25. actually did buy, I buy, um, I hope my mom does not listen to this, but I I did buy Bitcoin. Um, your once, mom's definitely, like, I'll bet like you a thousand dollars your mom is listening ago. right now. <laughs> I needed to get a fake ID and it was one of those things where they were like, send us Bitcoin, uh, do like a manual drop off of this to the bank. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I am 19, but okay, let's do it. Should have held to the moon. Yeah, you should have held. To the moon, as they say. Okay, uh, so we selected uh, Guggenheim. Okay, back to us. So you cannot cannot draft ghosts Mm. in this draft. (laughs) No, we're going to try. No, we're going to try. <laughs> okay. Um, we are going to take Chris Illich, owner 
of the Detroit Tigers with our second overall pick. Uh, my ghost comment was referring to one Mr. Mike Illich, who passed away at 87 uh, back in 2017, who was the longtime owner of the Detroit Tigers uh, and made his money. Little Caesars Pizza, baby. Yeah, and that's right. That's right. Pizza. 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 Little Caesars underrated pizza. You, If you get a properly press rated, pass, probably. if you go to the press box at Comerica, they will give you, they pass out free Little Caesars Pizza <laughs> in the press box. This is, wow. This why didn't you disclose this up front? This is huge. I was bribed. Uh, I was bribed. My last thing, uh, I'll kick it to Jordan for the real explanation, but. Who do you think Mike Illich bought the team from? If if this was a like a comedy show, if this was a joke, who would the owner of Little Caesars have bought the team from? The answer, the owner of Domino's. Actually, <laughs> that is true. That is a fact. Uh, okay. Mike wow, Illich. The Pizza Wars. This is like the, the, the Yankees Red Sox trade of the of the baseball <laughs> pizza world. He the owner of Little Caesars bought the Tigers from the, the founder of Domino's Pizza incredible that's almost (laughs) reality is stranger than fiction in many ways uh pizza pizza as a slogan guys i gotta say it's it's really like the drunk don draper meme come to life where he's just like we'll just say pizza pizza at the end of the commercial and it'll sell like hotcakes bobby you were just you were just lamenting the fact that you don't know what someone like guggenheim partners does i bet you know a little you know a little caesar's pizza does yeah right yeah shitty sauce (laughs) on shitty bread with cheap supermarket cheese and they sell it to you for five dollars when you're drunk and guess what it's the best pizza bobby can get in in la (laughs) (laughs) now la's got good pizza not like new york but not the ubiquity but there are some good spots do you Uh, know about do you know about pizza pizza in toronto sorry for the crazy tangent here (laughs) but there is a pizza place in toronto called pizza pizza yeah, they that advertise has extremely plate. similar vibe to Little Caesars, but it's not. It's like the actual name of the place, and their tagline is hot and fresh. It's very <laughs> weird. I don't know if they're related, but I was in Toronto, and it made me confused. Anyway, we're taking the Illiches because the Illich family, well, it's not Mike anymore. And I feel really good about this pick, especially now, after the spending spree that they've already given us this winter, because it seemed like... Once oh, Mike passed about away, that. they spent a lot of money this winter. <laughs> once Mike passed away, it seemed like Chris, sort of in the same way with the Steinbrenners, right? It seemed like, oh, maybe he's not going to be like his dad. Maybe he's going to take, kind of rein it back in and to keep it more of himself. But to see what they went in and went out and spent, and maybe there's still, you know, some more spending in there, um, you know, go and, go and give, a, give an E Rod and, and Hobby buys a bunch of money makes me feel like they're going right back to it and saying, hell yeah, we're the freaking Tigers owners. This we are an important, you know, historic franchise. We are going to try to win. Um, now they have, you know, it's been unlike Milwaukee. It's been a much rockier road in terms of success. They've been kind of terrible at times throughout the ownership, right? Yeah. So that's kind of tough. But in terms of like, I trust that when it's time to spend, they're going to spend. It seems that they're doing that. And as far as the other, you know, uh, extracurriculars, as we'll call them, um, it seems pretty safe to take the Elches. Yeah, I and I think they've shown a penchant for competitiveness when the team demands it, you know? Like they went all in in the late 2000s, early 2010s and they got pretty damn close. Um yeah. The the Tigers are officially owned by one of the shell companies that Alex joked about earlier, Illich Holdings Incorporated. 
which was established in 1999 to provide all of the companies owned by Marion Illich with professional and technical services. Its privately owned businesses include Little Caesars Pizza. So they, Marian they Illich- just made, it's like the meta, you know, like they had Little Caesars and they put meta over top of it. But we all know that it's Little Caesars. We all know that it's Facebook. Marion Illich holds no official holdings in the Tigers because there's a rule within Major League Baseball. You cannot own holdings in a casino and Major League Baseball team. And so she technically holds none of them because she owns the Motor City Casino in Detroit, which is one of the bigger, um, I think it's like the biggest one in Detroit. You can't, I was there last week. You can't miss it. Wow, you uh, can't get in trouble for owning a baseball team and a casino if you just make your baseball team the casino, right? Uh, Before we, before we, before we move on, I just want to, I want to circle back to to Jordan. I was, I was curious about your, um, your, your anecdote uh about pizza mm. pizza in Canada. Oh, yeah. As it turns out, Little Caesars is forbidden from using the pizza pizza slogan in Canada due to the trademark. And so they are forced to use other combinations like two pizzas. <laughs> hot hot and ready, which like, once again hot and ready uh, is in that's a cardi that's pizza. Their that's a, that's so, a I mean classic. come on now. Uh uh delivery delivery <laughs> or quality quality. <laughs> <laughs> quality quality Tigers baseball. Why quality? Yelang yelang. It's just like things twice. This is like in Goodfellas, Jimmy two times. That's like their whole business model. Like every slogan, you just say it twice, and that's all they. What? This is like the greatest PR coup of all time. The head of PR doesn't actually have to think of anything. So wait, but it sounds like it's very clearly not the same thing. Like it is like that's correct. Yeah, which is so weird and confusing because, especially considering the proximity to Detroit. Um, but whatever just wanted to mention that because uh, i didn't know when else this was ever going to come up in my life and you know when else you know gotta gotta take take a shot here all right yes. back to you for your third pick bobby unless you have any other illich thoughts um no i don't have any other illich thoughts alex and i are a little torn i'm gonna uh jordan you asked who wears the pants in this draft room i think we're kind of going back and forth pick by pick so alex i'm gonna let you kind of make the final call mm. we're going Whoa. back and forth between a couple different guys i feel fine either way i said to alex before you guys got on the team that you end up with doesn't really matter. Like we're not keeping score here. <laughs> Please do not. Please do not keep score. I don't even know how we're keeping score, but no, it's fine. It's fine. Interestingly, Bobby, I would I would probably go with neither. Okay. Of, of the two choices that you just sent me. So we're very far apart maybe in uh in our discussions. Um And who says that there's no ideological differences on the left? Jake, Jake, it sounds like their their draft room is in disarray. Just incoherence. They, this is like the Kevin Costner talking right. it out. Who is calling the shots? <laughs> Alex, right? this is how you end up with Austin Beck. You can call <laughs> you can call and trade. Wow. <laughs> you could call and trade for the Steinbrenners right now. Just get them, scoop them right up. No, this is baseball. You can't trade up or down. This is not. Come on now. Make a pick, damn it. We have our board locked and loaded. I here's what I'll do. I'll I'll meet you in the middle. Okay. Bobby. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Peter Seidler mm-hmm. of the San Diego Padres. Yeah. Kind of a kind of a late bloomer. That's a here. good compromise. Really, uh, only only uh, only <laughs> college pitcher showed a lot of good accuracy. Added Senior a couple miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know, purchased team in 2012. Recently, has been investing a lot of money. Obviously, the Padres have been very not 
good for for a, a decent amount of time and that has kind of extended under his tenure but they've they've shown a willingness to open the open up the checkbook recently right and that and that has to count for something right it does it does i have i have cyber thoughts but bobby how do you feel about your own pick <laughs> so i i actually like Peter Seidler, I was advocating for him to be pretty high on our big board for for a couple of reasons. The the first reason um, is that he spent a lot of money on the team. He did the right thing by calling up his prospect, or he allowed the right thing to be done by his GM by calling up his prospects. He extended Tatis. He made it so that he signed Machado. He made it so that Tatis will likely play almost his entire career with the Padres, if not the if not his whole career with the Padres. And that's the thing that we're looking for from baseball ownership is like responding to fan engagement and Padres fans are giving it to them and they're taking it. And it seems like a symbiotic relationship right now. Like obviously that fell through last year and a lot of the excitement that blog boys like us got, you know, up in a, in a tizzy about didn't really come to fruition. But I think that Seidler has done a good job in investing in the team. Now, three years from now, he might not, he might be on the cross offs list because he might tear it down and sell it for parts because he's like, ah, eh, but actually it didn't work out and I wasn't actually interested in building sustainably. Um, it's, it's really interesting. His net worth is about $3 billion, but like Forbes doesn't know much of anything about him. <laughs> it's almost like a, it's a, either a red flag or it's kind of cool. You know, it's either, he he's not like leaking and manipulating money media or he's like super off the grid in a semi scary undercover way. Um, he founded a private equity firm, Seidler equity partners in Marina del Rey, California. And he is the managing partner. The firm's net worth has been estimated, estimated to be 3 billion. So I think that people generally think that he's worth $3 billion from that, from that firm. Um, fun fact about Seidler. Do you know he's the uh, he's the grandson of Walter O'Malley, who was the Dodgers owner from 1950 to 1979? Uh, you wonder where good old Peter got the seed money for his capital firm. Probably probably a nine to five, right? He was probably working at Little Caesars to to save up enough money to start his own mom and pop shop. You guys think so? I think you're onto something there. I think that had to have been working probably more than nine to five. I bet he was working yeah. at bonus time, catching extra shifts. Um, Nine Maybe fifteen. He was working. <laughs> he, was, he was he was two timing for Domino's in the night shift. <laughs> no, for Pizza Pizza. Actually, he was literally losers <laughs> in Pizza Pizza. He was driving across the border. Uh, the I have some thoughts about the O'Malley thing, but go ahead, finish, finish up. Yeah. Well, I would be remiss if I did not do one little side note about just Padres ownership in general. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the fucking god. If we could, if we could choose owners from all of baseball history, number one overall choice, Joan Croc, who tried to sell the Padres to San Diego, the city, and MLB, the other twenty nine owners blocked it unanimously because they were like Joan, Joan, the widow of Ray Croc, the founder of McDonald's, who owned the pa- uh, who owned the Padres before Seidler, uh, yes. like decades ago. Joan Croc. Shout out to a fucking legend, RIP. She would be the number one overall pick in the least terrible owners draft. So I like, I love the Sidler pick. We had him pretty high on our board. We kind of moved him up and down a few times. I lo- because I think the fact that he's the grandson of Walter O'Malley and I am currently trudging my way through Lords of the Realm. It is an incredible read. And there is so much Walter O'Malley stuff in there because he was just running shit for not just the Dodgers, but the whole league. Of course, he's the guy that moves them uh, to Los Angeles from Brooklyn. He's also one of the no guys. No controversy there like, at all. No, yeah, not at all. He's also a guy, one of the main guys, you know, if you know about Andy Messersmith and how that leads to free agency. He was the dude that was like, fuck no, we're not paying this guy. Like, absolutely not. And so now to have his grandson just 
doling out just hundreds of millions of dollars to players, both free agents and uh, their own players is fantastic. So rolling in his grave. Great pick. Uh, Back to us. Yep. Anything else on Sidler? No, I think that's it. All right. He's got his time in the sun. We were almost like too (laughs) complimentary of Sidler. Jesus. Jake has announced our third pick via Zoom background. Jake, would you like to uh, clue the listeners in since they cannot see your Truly horrifying. I will tweet out the screenshot of this. Don Middleton. Jordan's wearing his Phillies. He's wearing a Phillies shirt. All right. John Middleton, Phillies owner, is our our third pick. Jordan, do you want to? This is a surprise to me. Yeah. Okay. So here's why. Here's our thinking with Middleton. We... Again, now not not necessarily you know his history of baseball family and ownership whatever, but while the Phillies have inexplicably continued to be not good over the last decade, uh, since they you know we've got back to back World Series and they go in the tank they rebuild they're terrible they somehow can't get over five hundred and even this year they're only one game over five hundred they have spent the money. He John Middleton has done the part that is that that we want right. It's like okay, it's time to be good. Go give good players hundreds of millions of dollars. He did it with Bryce Harper. He did it with Zach Wheeler. They've both been awesome. Now you can dig him for the fact that I mean he's only been in charge since what 2016, Jake. Oh wow, nicely done there with picking his nose in the Zoom background. Um, now you can still say that well they they're still somehow a mess and not good under his leadership. That's super fair. Um, but I still think that this is and then to go and hire Dave Dombrowski and give Dave Dombrowski 20 million dollars or whatever not that he needs the money but I just think that that is enough to put him pretty high on our list and while so now, you know the track so record of winning straight, is, is yeah. you're, you're choosing him because he gave Dave Dombrowski 20 million dollars <laughs> yeah <laughs> kind of yes because that cool. that is a move that is throwing your money around to win to win baseball games now it's maybe not smart that's but not the you, point. He smart, is, fuck smart. He's overpaying Dave Dombrowski because he wants to win a World Series. That was the thinking. It's not. That's why he did it. So I actually. So yes, Bobby. That is exactly. I actually think you're making me more convict, convict, you know, convicted <laughs> in this in this pick. Okay. Now, how did he make his money, Bobby? Um, <laughs> oh, good old, good old fashioned. This is old. This, this is, is old. Nineteenth century the American. Twentieth century American. Money. Yeah. No, Bobby. He's a 19th century American. Yeah. Tobacco. John Middleton made his fortune selling his family's storied tobacco business. This is from Forbes.com, my favorite outlet that I wake up and read uh, every word of every morning. He made his fortune selling his family's storied tobacco business to Philip Morris's parent, Altria, in 2007 for $2.9 billion in cash. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash again, like we said. And this is before credit cards. <laughs> Way before credit cards. Uh, yeah, it's old. It's the oldest money there is, and he sure looks it. How old is John Middleton? Because he, I mean, is, is he seven, seven? Do we know? We don't even have an age. Do we have a public age for John Middleton? No. It's not on his Wikipedia. He's like, he's like Satchel. He's like Satchel Page. He could be 67. <laughs> he could be 87. Forbes says 66. Forbes says 66. Dude. Wow, man, that's whew. yeah. He's like a sixty-six, but like sixty-six cigarettes a day for like the first <laughs> fifty years of his life. Well, kind of sixty-six. It's an he, old sixty-six. Those <laughs> sixty-six cigarettes he was eating a day, like he, he got them for free. Um, 
the other, when I think about quotes from Middleton, the one that comes to my mind, Bobby, is mm-hmm. the one that came out when we were together recording uh, an episode of Baseball Barbecue in the parking lot of right. the Philly Stadium. When Baseball Barbecue? It's a podcast. Oh. Um, where th- there were rumors about Zach Wheeler being traded right after they signed him. And he said that he wouldn't trade Zach Wheeler for Babe Ruth. And I just thought that was a great quote. And then, and then was Zach like, Wheeler like should have won the Cy Young. Yeah. Now we got Fangraphs headlines that's like Zach Wheeler is basically becoming Jacob Degrom, and I'm like rolling, <laughs> rolling over, doubling over in pain. Like it just hurts. It hurts so bad, guys. I think John Middleton wrote that, so makes sense. Okay. Well, Middleton's a good Middleton's a good pick. I just yeah, I just, feel really just I to say he's like like yeah, throw throws his money around in a in a, in a arguably very reckless way and like not capital p problematic right yeah. i mean i mean you know t- again as far I'm, as a tobacco salesman goes. i'm not that's the thing i'm not gonna go too far to be like this guy's awesome but we're it's all relative okay that's our third pick Bobby. God, if, I, if i needed to buy weed from any owner i feel like he has an institutional hookup uh maybe I, I kind of feel like dick monfort might be your guy to buy weed from oh should i make my monfort well mm. Um, can I, since he's not going to come up again, can I just make a Dick Monfort point? Yeah, sure. Yeah. When I first thought it was going to be least, least terrible, like people, right? If we were just oh, doing yeah. straight, like I was going to pick him because he seems like a totally in like just a generic, like very bumbling dummy. Like, but I don't want him running my team clearly, right? <laughs> clearly not. I do not want him running my team. I will not be happy, but he's pre- proving your point. <laughs> if it's just people who I would like, again, like have a beer with, who is, does not seem like the most, you know, completely evil people. He's probably in my top five. But anyway, wow. cattle, cattle buyer. Yeah. You heard it from sure. Jordan. Dick Monfort can, can date his children. <laughs> <laughs> if, if your kids brought home uh, Dick Monfort. I'm sorry. Whatever. I'm just, okay. Anyway, just Shabbat dinner. Back to, See, uh, okay. Okay. Back, back, back to you. To, for, it's back to us four. for fourth our pick. fourth overall pick. Um, on Middleton, I don't even feel like I can make a value judgment until I literally call Michael Bauman and just share what he has to say. So I, okay. I don't know That's, how yeah. I feel. Well, maybe about you should it. do that. Um, we we can ask him offline and report back next week. Um, so I let Alex drive the ship on the last one. I'm taking the reins. I'm taking the reins. I'm picking up the phone call from Rob Manfred. I'm telling I'm telling him who we're drafting, and we're drafting motherfucking hedge fund king. Uncle Steve Cohen. There he is. There he we is. Thought, we thought we were going to... I, I, I next like, on is our board. fall to pick four for us? Like, come on now. All right, Bobby, you, you did it. We I figured this would happen. We thought we were going to get lucky, but go ahead. I know I that say, Alex wait, is strongly what, against have, Steve Cohen. We have the same top of the board. Interesting. Except for the Dodgers. And like, you, our top six is gone now. Yep. <laughs> That's how it's supposed to be. This is getting very... It's getting very heated. Um. I know I said that there's no way to win this, but there definitely is a way to win this. Um, Steve Cohen. I mean, what can I say about him that I haven't already said on multiple different podcasts know, right? about me wrestling with his benefits versus his potential drawbacks? Like the guy made his money in one of the more heinous ways that you could possibly make your money in the United States in the 21st century, which is like just straight hedge fund managing other people's money, being like the cutthroat fucking Bobby Axelrod style hedge fund manager and like he has discrimination lawsuits against him at point seventy two, like all of these different truly terrible things. But if you serve our first poster owner, right? Yes, he's got a, he's got a true poster's heart. He makes me laugh. 
He has a nice smile. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's a family man. Uh, mm-hmm. If I brought him home, my parents would be proud. No, I. They'd be like, damn, can I get some of that? <laughs> if you surveyed the owner, or if you surveyed the fans of all yeah. 29 other teams that are not Mets fans, yeah. and you asked them to name one owner, who they wished owned their team, I think probably most people would say Steve Cohen right now because he is spending, just he's just maybe going to spend more money than any baseball owner ever. And it goes yep. back to our point about the Steinbrenners. It goes back to our point about the Dodgers. What do we value here as baseball fans? Because it's very hard to morally judge how you made your money. Everybody knows how Steve Cohen made his money. He's buying like replica sharks for $14 million on like Sundays just for fun. But do you put the money that you have and that you are making from the team back onto the field so that I can watch Max Scherzer pitch on a Tuesday after Jacob deGrom pitched on a Monday. Totally. Like that's pretty cool. You're I think totally he needs right. to be drafted. You're totally right. You're totally right. And he would have been our next pick. My only quibble, all right, strictly from a financial standpoint, right, is that Steve Cohen is one of the 100 richest people in the world. Yep. Okay. And so while he is going to run a 250 million, maybe 300, who freaking knows, it is still a fraction of what he probably can. And you should argue, you could argue that he should be at a $500 million payroll. And when you compare it to like, again, like we made the Atanasio argument, right? Atanasio's like, he is going to actually be thinking, like, he's really like, I'm doing this and this is what I'm doing. Steve Cohen's throwing it around because he can, right? And it's good. Not saying it's not because you're right. It's still better to have the guy that has the highest payroll, but I still think relative to being the rich, he's. I mean, he's so far ahead of everybody else, right? We're talking about all yeah. these guys you mentioned, Alex earlier. It's all like three to seven. Steve Cohen's in double digit billionaire. Okay, so that's where if, I. If think Steve Cohen yeah. were to invest in the team like Atanasio or some of these other guys, he would be running a a two point four billion dollar payroll. Right. <laughs> which, which, I mean, why not? Right, you've got the money. There is, well, there is a, there is an upper limit of how much money you can actually spend on payroll, though. Like, and he is reaching it though. Like, he's, he's closing in on three hundred million dollars. Like, that's probably how true. much that's did probably. he outbid the rest of the league for Scherzer? He's kind of doing what you're describing, no, Jordan. Just, but I, there's just like the rest of the league is dragging yeah, him. Down. That's true. I think that's, that that's fair. I think that there will be a course correction on his spending. I don't see him running this kind of payroll for five consecutive years the way that Steinbrenner did when he first took over the Because Yankees. the league won't allow it. Not because, because he... Because the league won't allow it, but because there is a dominant philosophy that, and he will be weighed on by other owners being like, why yeah. are you running your team like this? There is a dominant philosophy in baseball right now that you only put the revenue in that you make from the team. Like you, that you're not going to be using your outside money to enrich your team that you're not going to be making all of these other owners look cheap every single offseason and they will just fucking blackball him like they will collude against him the way that they collude against free agents to not to keep those salaries down like they will not let him keep allowing the max Scherzer of the world big union guys to reset the market for different players and establish different precedent and be scott boris's monopoly bank like that that's not going to keep happening although if there was a guy in the world who would do it, it would be because <laughs> he's a sicko. All, all fair. Yeah, he's he's zagging. He's zagging where the rest of the league zigs. Uh, Alex, sorry, it seems like you're not so thrilled with this pick, but I mean, you understand. So, Oh, I absolutely. I mean, my, my biggest uh, qualms with, with him, I think, are, are really, you know, can he get out of his own way enough to mm-hmm. like let the baseball people run the team? That's a great right? point. If you're, a, if you're an uber rich person, 
who has has all the time in the world to just like tweet about about your baseball team. I mean, hey, I, he's, I would he's too. Tweeting Absolutely. out OPS numbers. Yes, I know. <laughs> literally, like I I would like him to to just hand the checkbook uh, over to the Mets front office and let them do with it what they will. But it seems like he, they are a little bit I, like he he hired yes men, but also if you're spending money on on players that are obviously good to the rest of the league and you're suspending more money to get those players like sometimes yes men are the right men it's better than it's better than like operating like the rays where they're like actually no we have to create these uh fictional restrictions because we're playing a board game not running the, a baseball team the kamar rocker tweet turned me off to steve Cohen. <laughs> i mean yeah yeah that was pretty bad <laughs> uh so guy you, who made 16 billion dollars trading stocks thinks of person as stock but also news you know what, Bobby? Like you, you are you were living with this already, so it's easy for you to pick him in this fictional draft. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you already have confronted it. So very I've already easy dumped my morals down the drain several exactly. times over. Uh, hey, give me that Scherzer hey, jersey for Christmas next year, baby. Hey, Jordan. Yeah, I'm looking to uh, use my gas grill outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fire yeah. up. Yeah, like I'm gonna make mm-hmm. some. Make hot uh, stove. I'm doing a full fish. Okay. I'm I'm gonna grill a whole fish, put some lemongrass, some scallions in there, really bring the flavor out. But I have everything I need except I'm out of propane. Well, you <laughs> are in awful. luck, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, you are in luck because yeah. let me tell you, my friend John Sherman. Oh, the owner of the Kansas City Royals and our fourth overall pick. He's got. <laughs> Hella propane. Really? Whatever you need. Whatever you need, my boy. He- more like <laughs> more like pro comfort. Uh John Sherman, uh, who very recently bought the Kansas City Royals, um, will be our fourth selection. Now, John Sherman, who founded Energy, let's be very clear about what it's we're an saying. I. Energy. Ah, yeah, he's got great energy. He's got outstanding energy. American supplier of propane based in Kansas City, Missouri. Claims to be the fourth largest propane retailer in the United States. The humble fourth. We are not Not even on the podium. This is not, we are just doing our good, you know, hard-earned American business on the side. We're not like controlling Everything okay? We're four. He runs the Royals too, right? A humble four. <laughs> we're four, okay. <laughs> and and John Sherman, and when he's not doling out propane tanks to twenty eight states across the country, is uh, is uh, you know presiding over this next era of Royals baseball. He's signing Salvador Perez to an extension. I love that. I love that that he didn't need to. He didn't need to, but it <laughs> brings me joy. I love Sal Perez. And uh, yeah, I mean, as far as where the money comes from, the dude is, is he's Kansas city. Like he, he is from, he is from there. Hashtag he's rooted, he's rooted in Kansas city. He's a Kansas man. Wow. You're Uh, like cutting down to Alex's core right now. Now, we have not seen to what extent John Sherman will put many into the team because he only bought it a couple years ago. And even Steve Cohen would not have invested in the 2019 Royals. Um, <laughs> but we, the one qualm I have is that the track record here is that he was a minority owner of the Cleveland uh, team. 
And at the, I doubt he was putting too much cash okay, into that enterprise. I'm going to, I'm going to take the optimistic route here, and I'm going to say that the fact that he was in Cleveland and minority owner and spending clearly nothing, perhaps he was like, I'm, I'm a billionaire. I'm just going to go buy my own team, and I'm going to, I'm going to do, sh- I'm going to actually do something. I'm going to make right. shit happen. Propane had a good year, and he was like, exactly. I should get my own so team. I'm, I'm looking those, at it on the right all, side. All those, all those space heaters. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so outdoor, outdoor dining, huge for Bobby Witt. <laughs> again, again, we're now into Slim Pickens territory for a lot of a lot of reasons, but I feel pretty right. good about this one. And a lot of this too, as we mentioned earlier, is you know the less we know, the better. Um, and in so far, we don't have any reason to hate John Sherman, and that's a win. Yeah, the 2021 Kansas Cityan of the year. <laughs> From from the Kansas City I mean, Chamber, Mahomes I, robbed. Are you not entertained? Are you not impressed, <laughs> Bobby? Are you jealous that we got John Sherman after uh, your evil bajillionaire Steve Cohen? <laughs> yeah, John Sherman, definite <laughs> family man. Thing. You guys definite. are fighting for the for the little guy over there. Right. We have some small markets, by the way. We <laughs> do, <really> yeah. <laughs> Bob, you guys are just fly. Over, you guys are just fly over state kings. You know, you're just yes. choosing the guys. You're just representing the small markets. You know, we're over here choosing guys on the coasts. We're the putting money. the heart in Heartland. <laughs> <laughs> There's our fourth pick, Bobby. Back. Do you have any Sherman thoughts, or, or back to you? Uh, not really, honestly. Um, <laughs> the fact that there are two guys with the last name <laughs> Sherman who own baseball teams right now, and uh, it's just like, uh, and no women. It's just no girl bosses. Is hilarious. Oh. Um, I think for our last pick. I'm going to stab my Mets fan, my Mets fandom, right in the heart. Just stab it repeatedly, right in the heart. And I think for our fifth and final pick, we are going to select one William Orville DeWitt Jr. Oh, wow. 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 The erstwhile okay. owner of the St. Louis Cardinals. In 1979, am- along with Mercer Reynolds, he founded the investment firm Reynolds DeWitt & Co., he is the son of William Orville DeWitt Sr. Who is Mercer Reynolds, Bobby? Do you want to tell people what Mercer, Mercer Reynolds did for a living? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. It's you, a... should, you should check that out. <laughs> you should hit that with a little Google piece. Oh, man. What oh, did Mercer wow. Reynolds do? Oh, oh nice. I, I saw that. I had a little autofill here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was the finance chair of U.S. President George W. Bush's presidential campaign. At least campaign. he wasn't the Iraq chair. I mean, you know, that's a plus for you guys, I guess. <laughs> what do you think? You fund a little presidential campaign? So w- what? Come on. I mean, come w- on. W. I like, it's always good when you type in someone's name and the and the first uh, uh, autofill is plantation. Mercer Reynolds plantation. <laughs> so one of the more odious individual human beings on this list, of course, they're all odious in their own ways. Um, but you got you got to hand it to him how he's run the Cardinals. I mean, that is an A class A franchise. Cardinal way. They put money into the team. They seriously develop it at all levels. They keep pulling guys out of their asses. They hire the right people with player development. They always seem to have the right manager for the right team. They respect the fan base, even though the fan base has a lot of uh, tendencies that I don't particularly appreciate. Uh, we'll leave it at that. And, you know, he's a lifelong baseball man. His dad was a, was a GM himself. So, you know that he at least likes baseball. He's seen a baseball game, which is 
maybe not the case for every single person on this list, verifiably. I'm not convinced Ray Davis uh, has seen a baseball game, <laughs> but he did. Just I'm not even entirely convinced Ray Davis exists. Like, has, <laughs> has anyone it, ever seen the it, man? I thought it was Roy Davis. I we're wrote that talk wrong. About, we're going to talk about uh, Ray Davis later. But, <sighs> Bobby, are you forgetting that I would say Bill DeWitt was the owner of the uh, like the like the the Razzie owner of the year like he was he had the quote last year where he said that baseball was quote not very profitable and then bought (laughs) Eva Longoria's house for eight million in the same week are you forgetting this that's noise you're talking about noise do the Cardinals win or not do the do the Cardinals win or not the Cardinals don't lose that's for sure where's Charles Johnson on your list then huh yeah, see, Char- how, many, how many immediate cross off? This is, yeah, we're getting into territory of like you know political activities. There's like a section on the person's Wikipedia page. Never, never a good sign. I, 2006, 2011. That's all I got to say. He's made the playoffs 59 percent of the time that he's owned the team. Yeah, I mean, right. That is the that is the argument. That's what you're going with. Is that I will have someone that is keeping me. Uh, that again, not quite Yankees level, but like around and not doing anything so you're bringing up a lot of good points jake and i respect that but as we get into the 9 10 range here yeah there's gonna be some (laughs) downsides on the player report card i don't know what to tell you not everybody's gonna be throwing 99 with a hammer slider in the middle of the fucking second round equivalent so yes does he have some some problems yeah of course but also is his organization one of the organizations that I feel most confident in all of the league in terms of like respectability and competence. Absolutely. Yes. The other thing about Bill DeWitt is like, he's hateable in a knowable way, you know, like he's just like a shitty, like political (laughs) figure, you know, like he's he's also around, right? He's a classic base. Like he is a baseball owner. Like you said, like this dude is into baseball. Right. One of the things about him that was actually maybe playing more into it than it should for me in terms of not wanting to draft him at all is like he's a really scary looking guy. Yes. <laughs> it's unsettling yes. to yeah. see what the man looks like. Yeah, I agree with that. I, agree. I hope no one ever says that about me. Um, with our last pick, <clears throat> are, are you done on DeWitt? Alex, anything else you want to say about DeWitt? We were, we were weighing a couple other guys, but I don't want to scoop any well, of the we'll guys that, that you we'll might choose. That. We'll um, get to that. Alex, anything that you want to say that really pushed DeWitt forward? Anytime you have a chance to to draft the the owner of Arby's on your on your roster of baseball owners, that's I feel like it's pretty good. Yeah. Eating good in the neighborhood, right? I don't quality. know that I've ever actually eaten it eaten at Arby's. So what? Kind of flying, wow! Flying blind we here. should do that together yeah. for the first time. I'd love to see it's you coastal speaking. I had never been to an Arby's before, and Jordan took me to my first Arby's. Jordan, do you remember where it was? I do, which is not a fair representation of Arby's, but I still stand by Arby's. I do like Arby's? Breeze, Breezewood, Pennsylvania. Oh. <laughs> Breezewood. Was this on Nothing your trip? Like Breezewood. No, uh, I don't, I don't know our, where knows. we were going. Who knows? Um, Jake has sent me receipts from Twitter where I tweeted uh, <laughs> <laughs> some slanderous <laughs> things against Bill DeWitt Jr. None of that is important. You can find that for almost every owner here, Jake. Come on. Bobby. This is like when Dave this is like when Dave Cameron wrote all those things about Eric Hosmer and then got hired by the Padres. <laughs> um, That's exactly what, what this is like. Bobby, it's okay. I, I understand the allure of like Tipping oh, my baseball team's going to be good. October twenty eighth, twenty twenty. Gear up for a very fun offseason and subsequent labor negotiations. Everyone, I'm sure Cardinals fans are happy that Bill Dewitt, net worth four billion, <laughs> won't go bankrupt trying to afford Colton Wong's twelve and a half million dollar contract. 
Avi's like, sign me up. Uh, okay. That's my guy. It's okay. Uh, again, <laughs> we were going to run this. Species. All right, with our last pick, Jake, are we in agreement on our last pick? Ken, it, Jordan, Ken, we are. Okay. Though we have stated our conflict of interest, we will happily take the learners with our fifth and final selection. Now, this is... By the way, let's, let's get the controversial choice. Controversial. The, we'll, we'll the get minor league stuff from last summer was bad. Here's my argument for that. Ready? This is I'm, now I'm spinning like crazy. Okay. Are you about to Are you about to Jen Saki? Are you about to Jen Saki this? Here's my spin for this. And I only like 5% believe this, but it doesn't matter because I have more good things to say about Those the learners. Are always so it the best things to say publicly. If basically what we're referring to is that they were one of the teams that very early on in 2020 were like, we're not paying our minor leaguers at all because they ain't playing. Sorry. Yeah. And they days work cha- for a day's pay. They changed their mind. They got crushed for that and changed their mind like 12 hours later, <laughs> which to me tells me that they were just like, well, of course, we're big, bad, rich baseball owners. Like they were, you know, doing some little collusion chat and they were like, yo, we're not paying minor leaguers, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, boom. Now we're paying minor leaguers. That came out about the Nats first. And then they're like, oh, no, 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 never mind. Never mind. No, we're not. We're not doing that. Like we're not actually terrible people. We're just doing what most baseball owners would do. Either way. Here's the real case. They spent like crazy. Once they finally got the Strasburg Harper thing, they're handing out crazy amounts to Jason Worth. They're the, they, before the Mets were doing it, they were giving Max Scherzer all the money in the world. And while this is sort of contingent on them giving fourth starter, Patrick Corbin, here's $200 million. Hey, it got a world series. Now it's a horrible contract, whatever. That's fine. It it worked. It worked. Patrick Corbin was good for them in in 2019. Uh, Now is this sort of contingent on them? Giving Juan Soto $500 million? Yeah. But they have spent, and they have been good till the last few years, for the last decade, and I feel good about it. So I also like how they handled... Okay, being the owner of the team in D.C. during Mm -hmm. the Trump administration is a PR minefield, right? Uh And I thought that they tiptoed through that jungle in about as decent way as they possibly could have done. Having Jose Andres, who was very publicly, a, I don't like Trump guy, throw out the first pitch the night that Trump was there, I don't, in the World Series, I don't know if that was like Ted Lerner's call, but that's the type of thing from an organization. Ted like, make it happen. <laughs> but that feels like the type of stuff that, that would go up to ownership, yeah. almost. And like, I thought that there, there are other owners who would not have handled that in that way, right? That that was a unique way to handle a weird situation and not in, in the most immoral way to do it. Again, last <laughs> pick of the draft. So that's why we went there. I have one more learner point. Okay. Actually, Bobby, do you have anything else? Because I, I want to I finish. No, finish I mean, we, are, we already talked about how he's a self-made, self-made man. You oh know, yeah, cool. Two hundred fifty. We love a good a good bootstraps landlord. I wait. I wait for the second paragraph of the article where he like has an uncle that loaned him a hundred million dollars or something <laughs> like that that he paid back with no interest. But he he publicly identifies his father as coming from Palestine, which I I don't know. 
small now, amounts of kudos there. Yeah, okay, you're 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 missing that. Everything before 1948 was just Palestine. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and which 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 that's gets not me like a woke. That's not like a woke move. Which it gets me was, to my final point. He's from the Palestine Mandate under right. Exactly. Wait, Bobby, Bobby, go, go ahead. Well, I'll just say, as someone who just spent, you know, probably like eight hours a day looking for an apartment, it's very hard to choose a landlord, you know? Mm. And that's basically how he made all his money. He just owns a bunch of real estate, mm, like true. the diversified real estate portfolio. But it's it's okay, you know? He owns Chelsea Piers, which means he owns the place where some of my fondest memories at New York University are going to hockey games and getting drunk in the stands. Didn't know it at the time, but Ted Lerner was putting me on, so... Well said. Oh, he owns White Flint, Jordan? <laughs> yeah, oh, tough. dude. I White Flint is like where we went after middle school to like have awkward dates at the movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shots at White Very dead White Flint, although I don't know what they're, what they're building there. Okay, yeah. here's my last point, which is sort of related to the thing that Alex brought up. Ted Lerner, and forgive me if I'm going to Betty White this here, okay? I hope he's in good health. <laughs> Oh, Ted Lerner is 96. That's a crazy verb. <laughs> Ted Lerner is 96. This dude is freaking crazy old. And it, <laughs> and anyone that gets to 95, I respect the hell out of. I don't care what I don't care what you have going on. It's like catching for 15 years in the big leagues. <laughs> that dude <laughs> is still and I know Mark, right? We know Mark's running the team now and that's good, right? And I wish the best for learners. Of course, we want to see him. We want to see him at, at, at you know, Young Kippa Services and everything, right? But this dude has been around for a long time. And if you are still here at age 96, you got my vote. Okay. I can see it. I, I mean, I think that aside from like six or seven owners that we're about to talk about, basically, you could choose anyone at the 10th pick and convince me of yeah. it for the most part. Um, Alex, anything to say about the learners? Not that hasn't been covered, which is kind of like, I mean, that says it all, right? Like, again, you can cherry pick whatever piece of, of data, whichever yeah. data point you want in in favor or against. I would personally cherry pick just the whole Bryce Harper contract negotiation situation as a reason why I wouldn't want the learners to own my team. And when when Juan Soto is hitting fucking 337 in City Field in five years. Okay, so again, like I said. That's it's, the thing. It's They got to get that done. They really got to get this, that done. This pick is contingent on them extending Soto because I oh, think... It's like a first round draft pick with protections in the NBA. You're like <laughs> dealing it, but like if they like, finished over 500, it moves to a second round pick. <laughs> like, let me say this. Who would you rather have over the next five, eh, next 10 years? Juan Soto or Bryce Harper? Yeah, Juan Soto, obviously, but it's right. not and either so they, or, my guy. Could they have gotten... That's the if thing. they, right? if they, they could have just it. gotten both of them. Yeah, of course, right. If, if that Chelsea Pierce money. <laughs> but the one thing Sell I about Ted Lerner, Sell it. I will say this about Ted Lerner. I am worried, Jordan. <laughs> he made it. He survived until he won, right? And it's like the same thing that was driving Illich to spend. Uh-huh crazy money before he passed away. Like he wanted to get a ring before he went like learner has the ring now. So is he going to spend? Oh, okay. now that they I thought you were going to say, is he going to die? Because he saw it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's title. part of the question too. No. Uh, yeah, no, that's honestly, Jake, fair point. But again, contingent on sort of the belly where we are, they have a good track record. I'm my, again, like, I don't think they're going to be that bad. Jake, thinks gonna be that. It's fine. 
We're not talking about that Nationals anymore. I think employing Mike Rizzo and giving him a lot of leeway to like build a roster and win a championship is like a, a point, you know, strongly yeah. in the learner's favor. Like right. Mike Rizzo seems like a, as far as management goes, he seems like on the better end of the spectrum in terms of GMs in 2022. You know, I agree. I agree. Okay, uh, all that right. does it. Okay, here are the teams uh, we selected first. We have the Steinbrenner family, the uh, Guggenheim Baseball Management uh, CEO Mark <laughs> Walter. We have Peter Seidler, owner of the San Diego Padres. We have hedge fund king Steve Cohen, owner of the New York Mets, and we have <laughs> Bill DeWitt Jr. The owner of the St. Louis Cardinals, you guys selected second, uh, and you chose Mark Atanasio, owner of the Milwaukee Brewers. The Illich family, ghost of Mike Illich, Illich Holdings Incorporated, uh, the owners of the Detroit Tigers and the <laughs> Pizza Pizza Empire. John Middleton, the owner of the Philadelphia Phillies, John Sherman, two Johns back to back. There you go. Um, the owner of the Kansas City Royals and Ted Lerner, and the Lerner family, the owner of the Washington the Nationals. Lerner's there block. you go. Your top That's third good. of MLB I owners. Good. I feel good. And like, and like a mixed bag of like success with a, with a lot of yeah, those Younger, teams, older, kind of different worlds of money, you know. I, I got to be honest. Ways. It seems like, Bobby, I think you pivoted to DeWitt kind of recklessly because you saw that there was a run on Midwestern teams. <laughs> and you were like, oh, shit, I got to grab one. <laughs> well, this is actually a good opportunity to talk about this. And, and we'll do kind of guys that were on the fringes that we didn't select. And then also you know, maybe five owners that we immediately crossed off. As you guys so hilariously said, the um, medical scratches from <laughs> the medical. draft, the failed medicals from the, the draft. The doctors say, you can't pick this guy. Yeah, I'm just, sorry. We want him, but the Michael you Porter Jr. back surgery that's coming, you just can't give him the extension. Um, I think yeah. the, the number one guy who, uh, our next pick would have been, and I think you're maybe the same, the Polods. Uh, the Twins mm-hmm. owners are mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, because honestly... A point in their favor, I didn't really know who owned the Twins before this. I mean, exactly. I don't watch a lot of Twins because... Mm-hmm. Why would you? Yes, exactly. That That is one of the least interesting divisions if you're not a fan of one of the teams in that division. But, you know, the way that they made their money seems like not the worst. They did inherit it from their self-made billionaire grandfather or father or whatever, Carl Polad. Um, they don't spend a ton on the team though really like they're kind of like in that lower middle class of mm-hmm. of payroll every year and i i know that we said that we don't really value what fans say all of the time but i feel like fans are a little bit cold on them um yeah. and the way that they run that team and the way the only way that they like make big signings are like team-friendly extensions like the byron buxton thing which is complicated because of the injuries but they don't like splash yeah. very frequently and that's if you're going to draft an owner that you are happy about. You probably want someone who splashes. The other guy who Alex and I were debating. Well, well let I me was, just say quickly. Let me just okay, say quickly. Yeah. If you go to the Polod Family Foundation, there is a tab for racial justice, um, which, uh-huh. and they donated $25 million to racial justice things in the Twin Cities area, which like, again, it's probably not that much money, but I want you to just imagine Steve Cohen doing that. Like imagine Steve Cohen doing that press release, right? It's, there are probably like 10 to 15 owners where that's an inconceivable press release. Yeah. Right? I mean, the Polad's one of the few owners who haven't given to Republican candidates, like, at least Ever. in this last election cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look up the Polad's on Forbes' list of the richest families in America, which is a fucking hilarious list, by the way, <laughs> um, you look it up. The, the header photo is one of the Polad's sons. Don't know which one. Don't really care. It's actually impossible to overstate how much this guy is trying to look like John Bon Jovi. 
which I don't that your mileage may vary if that's a point in their favor or a point against the poll ads in this draft, but it's shocking. It's shocking, and I encourage everyone listening to do that. Wow, you're so right. Oh my god, it's his life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh man. Another guy who we were debating yeah. for this final pick. Yeah, give him, give him a shine. Is a man of much controversy in the last three years, particularly, which is why I have a terrible, bitter taste in my mouth when Alex brought up his name before you guys got on the Zoom, and that is one John Henry, yep. owner of the Boston same Red thing. Sox. We had the same discussion. I, and I was really in his corner. Yeah. Because, if you, if you take because the amount of success yeah. out of it, it's a different thing. Yeah. It is a completely different thing. Yeah. If we're having this conversation two or three years ago, it's, I mean, because if you look at his track record since he took over the team in, in what, 2002, I mean, they have just won and won and won. And he spent, right? I mean, he, he came in, he made it his mission to, to break the curse of the Bambino and then did. It. did. Yeah. And then they won again, you know, a few years later. And then like sustained success, I think, counts for, counts for a lot. They've been to the playoffs. 11 times under him yeah. just like half half the years he's owned the team which it's I, I don't know I would I gotta say this Bobby not to keep harping on it I'd take him before DeWitt that's for 100%, sure. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> but but it's true that the Mookie thing as far as ownership get like public like pissing again we talk about oh what, what do the fans care that is easily you know one of the most insulting ridiculous things that we've had in the last you know three years so I think that it just depends on how you look at it philosophically right so do yeah. you look at it like the, is it a body of work thing? Like how? Like you are the fan right. of that own of that team and that owner now, and you get to like internalize all of the prior experience, or that person you just wake up that day and that person is now your owner for the future? Because I don't think he gives a fuck about baseball anymore. Like I think it's going in the opposite direction. He's investing in Liverpool. Mm. He's running the Red Sox. That's like a it's point. a hedge fund, and they need to like move money around. Like you're trying to pay off bills at the end of the month. Like it's very weird how they run that team. And I think given my predilection. And my interests in baseball, I would just go crazy rooting for the guy who's like, we have to be $2 million over the luxury tax, and then we have to reset it. And then we have to be $4 million over, and then we have to reset it. And it doesn't matter if we lose the base, the, the team's most generational star in 100 years to do it. Like, that is just, that drives me crazy, like, with the amount of assets they have that they would actually do that. And I don't know. Maybe you're right, Jordan. Maybe it was just a run on Midwest guys, and I didn't want to yeah. be the, the coastal elitist. Jordan and I had a colleague at one point who was both a Red Sox and a Liverpool fan, um, like like legit both. And he would always joke like, "Oh, we signed JD Martinez. Like now we can't get Virgil Van Dyke, <laughs> right?" And like that's not how it works, obviously. But it also kind of is at the same time, and like. That they're a great tweet. Like I remember when the when the Red Sox signed JD Martinez, Liverpool fans who don't know anything about the Red Sox were like responding to the tweet, being like, "Oh, we can't afford a full back. What are we spending this money on?" You know, like <laughs> we need we need a winger. Who's JD Martinez? You know, like shit like that. I um. Uh, who else was on I, our board? Well, oh, really quickly yeah. on really quickly on uh on Henry is that. A point in his favor actually is that he's done a great job of hiring, like hiring Theo and then hiring Dabrowski, like and now hiring Haim. Like it, it seems like, yo, give Charrington his flowers. My yeah. God, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry Let's to Charrington. Go. With no, uh, no Charrington, no Moncada, no Sale, no title, baby. One, no nothing. One day he will get to have sex with Billy Bean, but today is not that day. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> you know the last. <laughs> 
<laughs> the last thing I want to say on John Henry is like, this is a guy I think I probably would have hung out with as as a kid. Um, mm. I mean, first of all, he got to start trading soybean futures, which like, I don't even know what the fuck that <laughs> yeah, means. Like, um, but like, he, you know, he went to UC Irvine uh, and UCLA, majored in philosophy, but dropped out because he was touring in a couple bands. Like he actually sounded like a good hang mm. at one point in his life. Maybe not the guy you want to smoke weed with today, but mm. you know. Yeah. 40 years ago? Th- 50 years ago? Are there any other soybean, honorable mentors? Soybean, cool future, soybean future god, impossible Henry. Beyond <laughs> John. We're, I, running, we're running low on time here, so any other yes. honorable mentions very quickly, and then just list off the guys that you immediately cross off. Okay, so the only other guy that I brought up as an Orioles fan was Angelos, and it was John Angelos, not Peter Angelos, the son of Peter Angelos. Uh, if we're talking morality... I actually think Peter Angelos is pretty clearly your first pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's really not a conversation. And I went through John Angelos's political donations and like, it's extensive, like it's an extensive list uh, of, of things vaguely in the, in the right direction. Um, that being said, the Orioles, uh, Jordan said, if you passed out and you woke up and it was like, you still have the Angelos running the team. <laughs> Would you be happy? And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like when I'm staring, <laughs> when I'm staring at 47 wins, I'm not like, Ooh, good. He's like, he's a good guy. Oh, he gave Joe Biden $5,000. Like, you know, that's not, we also, we already took two other Johns, so we can't, we for, can't uh, go too, too crazy. For those of you who don't know, Angelos made his money, by representing some eighteen or eighty seven hundred steelworkers, shipyard workers, and manufacturers, employees in a consolidated action asbestos poisoning suit that was partially settled in nineteen ninety two, his take from that litigation alone has been estimated at three hundred and thirty million dollars. Though the city tried to take some of that back and lower his commission, he eventually settled for one hundred and fifty million dollars. But this was way back when he bought the team. After that, his net worth now is. $2 billion and yeah, they're winning 40 games a year and, and I'm not sure when Let's that's going to end. Baby. He, he also, he also like sued, sued like tobacco companies, right. Yeah. On behalf of like smokers who were getting lung cancer, which is like, lightweight we're getting legend. into weird territory. <laughs> yeah. Lightweight legend. But like, he's also like, you know, making, making money <laughs> right. off of the sick. Yeah. Right. Like he's like, Oh yes. You want to go take on the, the uh, big tobacco company over here. I'll do it for a fee. <laughs> hey, did you watch better call Saul? No. <laughs> No. Did you? Did, are, I'm, I, I'm a Saul Goodman fan. This is very Saul Goodman energy in, from Los uh, Angeles. Whatever you have to I, tell yourself. Go well, O's. Yeah, go O's. So that's, Angeles was the only one, but I think we explained why he well, did not enough. The, the, one, the one that we did consider before doing a little bit of research, uh, and now we can talk about cross-offs, um, was Ray Davis of the Texas Rangers. So <laughs> we saw Ray Davis and we said, we were like, oh, Ray Davis. They just spent half they just spent half a billion dollars on like six war between Corey Seager and Marcus Semien. Okay. That's pretty good. Whatever. Let's click on Ray Davis. Okay. Ray Davis. What does he do? Uh, CEO for energy transfer partners. What do they do? Oh, they own 36% of the Dakota access pipeline. Yep. And that was that. <laughs> Ray Davis. <laughs> yeah. Immediate cross off. Um, like, if oh, you're listening yeah. this late in the pod, I, I feel compelled now that the Dakota Access Pipeline has been brought up. I feel compelled to let Tipping Pitches listeners know about a little project we're working on about baseball and climate change. It's going to be a two-part podcast series. 
And, uh, you know, if you care about owners and their relationships to the fossil fuel industry, just look out for that one in the coming future. We don't have a release date yet, but Alex and I are deep in the weeds of the reporting stage of that. So keep your ears Climate, nice. climate, climate what? <laughs> What's the climate up to? All right. Uh, that cross is so, yeah. free. Bobby, cross it's so cold outside. Bobby, again, like, like I think you said at the beginning, we don't have to belabor these because it's like you it's very do obvious. this all the time. Here were the cross-offs that I wrote down immediately before even writing down a big board. Cross-off, Bob Nutting. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah the ahead. Ricketts. No, no, yep. no Nutting. No, sorry, yep. no Nutting November. <laughs> yep. John Fisher and Charles Johnson. Those were the four that first came to mind as yeah. immediate cross-offs for me. Alex, were there any others for you from our side? Oh. Jay Reinstorf. Yeah, Dude, good one. Guys. I, I mean, like, biggest, biggest anti-union uh, owner, like, has owned the team for decades and they've never really been been good under him i'm like yeah. what is dolan it, what are you dolan Do, D- dolan yeah dolan is okay. an immediate write-off dolan so, is the bigger fail son next to one of the biggest fail sons in sports history and he's just getting to chill in cleveland because there's not like bing bong fans yelling at him outside the stadium while you have to give him credit for running an extremely amazing baseball team still Stu sternberg just because, like, we got to keep the anyone who's running payroll that really low, the fits are great. Okay. So, even though there'd be some credit there. Yeah, yeah. And then, come on, people, Artie Moreno, which I know to some oh, people would one. say, oh, but Artie Moreno, he's going to give the good players $300 million. Great. It's like, dude, that's not, that's, it's not working. Whatever Artie, he's doing, it's not working. Artie Moreno's initial this. fortune came from Billboard Advertising Company, Outdoor Systems, which he sold to Infinity Broadcasting in 1999 for, take a deep breath. $8.7 billion for a billboard ad company. Can you imagine? I think Artie Moreno's bottom three if I woke up and was like, <laughs> they're running my team because yeah. he is so, it's, the angels are so incompetent that it's like, yeah. I, I could not stomach that. I honestly, if I made my own list, Sternberg would, I think, be on my list because as someone who has seen so little success for my team, I would yeah. make a deal with the he's devil. He's grasping at anything. Right. Like, Whatever, man. Doing, like, by the way, the other one's category is no, like... Let me just say, you're, yeah. if Stu Sternberg was running the Orioles right now, mm-hmm. they'd be better than they were if it was still Angels. Like, that's just a... Right? It, it doesn't mean it would be a more moral operation or better for baseball. But, yeah. like, I would be able to swallow that poison pill for a period of time so <laughs> that I could see an orange and black banner hang before I, you know, croak. Yeah, I think, and then there's the other category, like when, when we're talking about like the Charles Johnsons, where it's like not so great human, but they're they're good. Is like Jim Crane. Yep. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, um, he's probably also near the top of the list. So, anyway, I think we've covered it. We've named basically all of them. Yeah, <laughs> basically, every owner I think we went through. Bruce Sherman. Not sure what your deal the is. The only, man. and I just want to say, I'm very proud because the only, I think the only, oh, the other, the other automatic cross off is just the corporations in Atlanta and Toronto, right? Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's just those what are we the only. I think those are the only two that have not come up at all. Have not even been mentioned. Other than two more, two more Ken, that have not been mentioned. At Ken all. Kendrick has not been mentioned. Ken Kendrick has not been mentioned. He's My favorite fun fact right-wing. about Ken Kendrick is yeah. uh, he was. He was a banking industry executive in Texas after developing Datatel Inc., a software development company. I don't see how those two things are related, but banking industry executives, they like baseball just like us. Uh, and then go M's. John Stanton of the Seattle Mariners has not been mentioned at all. Uh, 
again, like they're, they, he's not, he seems like a totally normal rich guy who yeah. is low, pretty inoffensive. Low key, he was the CEO of every single wireless telecom company in like the mid 2000s. Yeah. So he was just getting around. Yeah. But he's also presided over obvious dysfunction like crazy, <laughs> even as the team has sort of returned to somewhat competent. I met him uh, once at a, a Columbia baseball game. I went to go catch a game and someone was like, that's the Mariners owner. That was it. I didn't really meet him. I saw him. That's different. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. So John Stan, there you go. I think we've mentioned every owner now. We did it. That's our list. That's uh, list. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman of Cespedes Family Barbecue. Love you guys. You probably follow them today? on Twitter already. What, what did we learn today? Bobby. No conscious consumerism under capitalism. <laughs> yes. Oh, one last thing. I just want to ask this. Mark Cuban. I just want to bring up Mark Cuban quickly. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Be- because <laughs> where would you put theoretical Mark Cuban on your board? Because to me, Mark Cuban is the sports owner in my head. Like he is the guy who owns the sports team. He's there all the time. On your board, if you woke up and you were like, oh, Mark Cuban owns this te- my team, is he in your top five? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I would also say two Mark Cuban things. One, I mean, is it safe to assume if there was no salary cap in the NBA that he would basically be doing what Steve Cohen's doing? Probably. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Like, I, well, think that I don't he know would, enough about the NBA. I, I mean, I think that he would be spending a lot. I think the analog in the NBA is Steve Ballmer. Okay. Oh, true. true, The Clippers and is like actually one of the ten richest people in the world. But but that's the other thing, right? As as rich as Cuban is, Palmer's literally like top whatever. Uh, The only thing I would say about Cuban is that um, by the Pirates, please. (laughs) He is (laughs) but also he's not going to Cuban. He he did has overseen one of the most dysfunctional organizations from like a workplace culture perspective. Oh, really? Yeah. The the Mavericks are like, it's a whole mess. That's true. They have a, they have a culture problem with like sexual harassment and like burying and all that. I did not know that. That's true. I'm just saying, uh, and he tried to buy the Cubs actually like 20 years ago. Um, so I don't even know how much like Pittsburgh or pirates look, you know, interest or fandom. He doesn't seem like a baseball guy really, but still for pirates yeah. fans. Sake, I'm obsessed with seeing him be... at PNC park, watching games, like very cool. sitting, sitting right behind home plate, <laughs> like Marlins man. It's just, <laughs> I just, yeah. Cuban, yeah, like, he's wearing a Brian Reynolds. I would just like Angel Hernandez for yeah. calling an outside pitch a strike. Like he's just fucking going at it. Yeah. I'm just, that's just like a very, very basic level. Like would be fun if he, you know, if, like it, it, I would just love the notion of Mark Cuban buying the Pirates and just like the Pirates going from like thirty million dollar payroll to like two hundred in like one winter. Because <laughs> like I the Mets are already yeah. spending money. Like it's not. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not the same. Yeah. Transformation. Yeah, trying to imagine him in in a boardroom I, with yeah, all these other eighty year old <laughs> owners who like. <laughs> He would never get approved, but anyway. All right, um, that's my last mark. Jake has but put you, Ken Bobby. Kendrick as his background on his Zoom screen, and it's, it's giving good, strikingly good similar vibes to, to Emperor Palpatine, so that means we got to wrap this. Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman, Cespedes Family Barbecue. Check their writing out and their videos out on Fox. Love you guys. Thank you for doing this. Bye. Thank you. Okay, thank you to Jake Mintz. Thank you to Jordan Schusterman of Cespedes Family Barbecue. Not like they need it, but go follow them on Twitter. Uh, Alex, do you have any regrets about our draft board? Anything that you wish you could take back 
I mean, I think the biggest thing missing for me, obviously, was the the catharsis of being able to dunk on our our favorite owners, right? The Ricketts of the world, the the Fishers of the world. That was glaringly absent because that was not the point of this exercise. Um, but it's kind of hard to to log on and talk about owners and not talk about the ones that keep you up at night, you know. But I thought it was fun anyway. Like I liked learning how some of these guys made their money, you know? Oh, absolutely. Some of it is some real like old world, 18th century, 19th century kind of stuff. If you founded a railroad and shipping logistics empire in 1910, you know, and you're still owning a major league baseball team, I don't know. What am I going to say about that? But, like, I mean, if you if you founded that in 1910 and you're still alive, <laughs> I definitely must tip my tap to you. I guess it's less of a cap tip for the for the guys who inherited their great grandfather's railroad empire. Right. right. Like I <laughs> That's what I love learning about is like which kids kind of failed upwards into yes. owning a, a four billion dollar enterprise. Yeah, exactly. You know, I said to you before we rec- started recording this podcast that really like just doing this little amount of surface level research into these guys kind of made me want to do like a 30 part podcast series about each owner and just kind of how they made their money, whether or not they move in silence, like whether they have a Forbes.com footprint or not. Like the Peter Seidler thing really got me thinking, why doesn't Forbes know anything about this guy? It's just a fascinating, endless rabbit hole for us. Um, So we're very thankful that people were willing to come along the journey of this draft. I love that like four plus years into this labor podcast, we like, finally started looking up who the owners are and we're like, hang on a second. These guys are up to some hijinks. <laughs> well, we knew they were up to hijinks. We just right. didn't know how to define the hijinks in all cases. Yeah. All, all that to say, I, I'm moving away from crypto and towards corn and soybean futures. That's, I think the path is set out there. As long as you're not selling wholesale fruits and vegetables like Robert Castellini. That's a, that's, because a tough, that's a tough business, much as I love Brussels sprouts. He's struggling at the moment. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Tipping Pitches. We will be back next week. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping Pitches. Tipping Pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping Pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!